Good morning. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. It's great to see everyone. God is good. God is good. Well, we are continuing our Roman series, but before we dive into the word, I just want to let you know if you are newer to Rimrock, uh, second hour at 10.30, there's a gathering in the gathering place called First Step, and it's a great place just to learn more about Rimrock and about what God is doing here and maybe how you can get plugged in and, and connected. Um, the other thing I just want to mention, uh, both Jim and Steve shared about this vision fund. As I've been here uh, four months, I've just been blessed by Pastor Steve's uh, leadership and insight um, in a lot of areas of ministry, but in creating this vision fund, I think it's a, a great opportunity for us. You know, from the very beginning, the church in Acts, it's recorded that as this gospel message was being shared, um, people from the church would come and they would bring gifts to the apostles for the furtherance of that message so that the resources, God providing the resources so that the message could be taken to every person. And so I believe this is a great opportunity for us to share of our resources. Jesus said where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And so by giving of our resources, we are showing our heart for the gospel, our heart for Jesus, and God uses that. So I really hope that you could come Thursday and learn more uh, at noon or at 6.30 down at the exchange. Would you join me in praying this morning? Lord, as we've already sung this morning, our trust is in you. This world looks to lots of things. It looks to money, it looks to earthly powers, it looks to possessions, it could even look to relationships or other things, but Lord, we don't put our eyes on those things. We put our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And this morning, we have gathered, we've set aside time, we've taken time out of the busyness of life, and we've set it aside this morning just to say, Lord, we want our eyes on you. And so, Lord, as we do that, may you, as you did with Peter, faithfully hold us, grab us, <laughs> grab our hearts, and lift us out of the waves and the wind and the storms and whatever is going on in our life, all the distractions and Help us, God, to hear your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the book of Romans, we are embarking on a journey through an amazing, amazing book that God has given us by his spirit. Um, there is probably no better book to really understand what is the gospel, what is the good news of Jesus Christ and we uh, began last week looking at the introduction of, of our identity belonging as a people who belong to Jesus a people who belongs to God and and finding that identity in his name in the name of Jesus and we're going to continue this morning in verse 16 and 17 so this is going to be the shortest passage for the whole series so if you would stand uh, we're going to read in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, 
just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. You may be seated. Thank you. So these two verses, the rest of the book of Romans is going to describe these two verses. <laughs> so we could, in a sense, read this and go home and then go through the rest of the, the book together. <laughs> but we won't do that. We'll, we'll spend a few minutes looking at some of the key words here. We're going to look at a few words there. That word, that word not ashamed, that word power, the word righteousness, the word faith. Those are key words that we're going to be looking at for the next year, or not, not quite a year, but next month as we weave through the book of Romans, we're going to be learning more and more about these words. These are significant words. You know, language is, is significant. Language is really the portal to, to understanding, to, to, um, to knowledge, and understanding who God is. And so he's given us words to understand. And the danger with words is, is we can get familiar with them, or we can think we understand them, and assume that we know without truly grasping the depth and the power of those words. And so my prayer this morning as I come before you is that we would um, begin to understand more and more of what God has for us through these words that he has for us this morning. Now, as we go through the book of Romans, remember we have a study guide that's going to be available in the back. It's also online. And, and my prayer, and I know for the other preachers, Bill and Nick, um, as, as we go through Romans, is that you guys would, would take a hold of what you hear on Sunday morning and go deeper because I, I, we hope that you will go into the Word yourself and begin to ask those deeper, harder questions about what is God saying for me and my life and how does this get worked out in my own heart. And so we'd invite you to, to take one of those study guides and, and study more. And there's other resources available as well. So Paul begins verse 16 by saying, I am not ashamed. And the question I have this morning is, why do we have this tendency towards shame? Or another way of looking at that is fear. Why do we have this tendency towards shame and fear? And Paul, he, he is hinting that he has that tendency towards shame and fear. Now, some of you know the Apostle Paul's story, but I'm just going to briefly share it this morning because he was the author of this book that God used and, and the Apostle Paul wasn't always a follower of Jesus. At one point, he was a very devout, zealous, religious Pharisee. He was a Jew, but he grew up in Tarsus, so he grew up in a, in a Greek-influenced home, but he was a devoted Jew who was committed to studying the Torah, the Old Testament, and serving God. But he was doing it in a pharisaical way, meaning he was doing it to the letter of the law. He was trying to follow every little law, and he was trying to do it in his own strength, in his own way. And he was very zealous, very passionate. In fact, at one point he says he studied so deeply, so um, much that he was under some of the best teachers that Israel ever produced. And so he was under some of these teachers and he devoted himself to study, to understanding. But he missed something. Because in his zeal, in his passion, he began to become angry with those who he thought were wrong. 
And so he heard about these followers of Jesus who also believed in the Old Testament, but they were saying that Jesus was the Messiah. They were saying that Jesus was the promised one who was going to bring salvation and deliverance to the world. And Paul didn't see that. He thought they were wrong. And so he went out to put an end to them, to stop them. And he did it with violence, and he did it through through legal pressure and we have this story in Acts where where they catch Stephen one of the early church leaders and and they actually stone him to death and it says that Saul or Paul was standing there giving approval and so Paul in his religious zeal had become violent and angry and he was on this road to go persecute more Christians to go throw him in jail and Tell him to stop talking about Jesus. And so he's on this road of, towards Damascus, and, it's, and he says there was a bright light that shone from heaven. And it was so bright it blinded him instantly, and he fell to his knees. And out of that light he heard a voice of God, and he saw a vision of Jesus. And God said, why, why are you persecuting me? Why are you coming against me? <laughs> And that got Paul's attention. <laughs> he thought he was doing what was right. And at that moment on the road with the lights and the voice, he realized he was going the wrong direction. He was fighting not for God, he was fighting against God. And that was the moment where his life took a radical, radical change. And so there Jesus said, I'm calling you, Paul, to take message my message the message of the gospel to the whole world and so there Paul had his first encounter with Jesus and his call to share the message of the gospel which is what we are reading this morning in the book of Romans and so that changed the trajectory of Paul's life now it's important to understand that story as we go into verse 16 because Paul says I'm unashamed of the gospel you see before Paul was very ashamed of Christians, of Jesus. He thought they were wrong. He thought it was foolishness. His thought was, why would Jesus, if he was God, why would he die on a cross? That made no sense. That was, remember, the cross was not a religious symbol. The cross was a symbol of what? Of the horror of sin. It was what only the worst criminals were put to death on. It was a symbol that no one wanted to look at. If you put up a cross, people would think that was crazy. <laughs> and so Paul later in Corinthians says, the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to the world. And so for Paul's thinking, it was shameful to talk about a cross, and it was shameful to talk about God dying on a cross. And it, was, it, was, it made no sense. But then Paul had this radical encounter with Jesus and he began to understand God's purpose, God's plan that through the cross he would bring redemption, he would bring salvation, that he would bring the reconciliation and the, 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 the healing of mankind through the cross. And so Paul began to say what was foolish before became wisdom. <laughs> So before what was shameful became wisdom. And so Paul went from a person who thought, man, this is, this is a terrible thing to seeing this is the most beautiful thing I've ever encountered. And so Paul would say later that I will preach nothing but Christ crucified. Wow. And Jesus said that I might, he said that he, said he was willing to die that Christ might live 
in him and through him. You talk about a radical change, <laughs> radical change. And so that's Paul's story. What seemed foolishness became the wisdom of God. He was no longer ashamed of this message of Jesus as Lord, this message of Jesus who died on the cross and rose again. So what's our story? Because if Paul struggled with shame and fear, how do we struggle with shame and fear? Well, I know my story. I know that I struggled with fear. I didn't grow up in a, in, a, in a religious home like Paul. I grew up in a home where I heard about Jesus and I accepted him at a young age, but I still struggled with fear. I've struggled because I wanted to be accepted by people. I wanted to people to like me and that created a fear in my life that kept me from God, that kept me from serving God. It kept me from being obedient to the things of God and understanding the freedom of God. All of us either struggle with that fear or that shame. And maybe you grew up in a, in a home where, where you were shamed a lot or maybe you were told you need to do all these things and you carried this burden of shame in your life. Or maybe you were like me and you grew up with this fear of others or of something. And all of that keeps us from God. But Paul says that in the gospel that there is no shame, that we can be unashamed. And my story is that as I began to encounter Jesus in my light, not with a, a, a life, not with a blinding light on a road, but through different experiences where I began to understand not Jesus, just what's written in the pages, but the living Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, who was calling my name, was calling me and saying, this good news of my death on the cross and my resurrection is for you, Ben, for your forgiveness, for your life. As I began to understand that, Fear began to wash away out of my life and I began to experience the freedom and the boldness and the joy of sharing Jesus with others. And so what's your story? Do you struggle with shame? Do you struggle with fear? Well, the good news this morning is, is this message sets us free. <laughs> As we've sung already, this message of we are now children of God sets us free from fear from shame and we can live confident free lives with God and that's what Paul is saying for I am not ashamed of the gospel and then he goes on to say it is the power of God let's talk a little bit about that power we have a need for God because we we begin to realize in our life journey that we are incapable unable to please God or to do this life on our own now some people have not realized that some people are living as if they are the captain of their own souls as if they can determine their own destinies but we all come to the end of that at some point at some point we will realize we are incapable and unable to save ourselves or help ourselves or live for ourselves we come to this place of need now that can look in very different in lots of people's lives for some people it's it's through battles with addiction or maybe for some it's battles like with me with fear or resentments or a, a failing of, of health or a death of a loved one we begin to realize that maybe we're not as in control as we think we are and we begin to realize we need a higher power, a greater power than ourselves. And we begin to realize a need in our lives. And that need is ultimately a need for God. 
a longing for God. We were all created with a need and a longing for God. And we need a power greater than ourselves to live. And this power, Paul is saying, is found in the gospel, which is the message, the good news about Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about power. Remember, Paul is writing this in the time of Rome. Rome was the most powerful nation on the earth. Rome had the armies and the roads and the wealth to extend its rule around the world. And so the Roman power, the Roman uh, ideal was spread all throughout the world, the Roman culture. And so that power was expanded how? Through armies, through, through violence, through war. A lot of times we think of power in that way. In fact, the word power in Greek is, is the same, dunamis has the same word that we get dynamite. So it's like this explosive impact, <laughs> right? And so a lot of times when we think of power, we think of that way. We think of guns, we think of missiles, armies. We exert power. That's how power is seen in our world. Now Paul tells us something interesting here. Because he talks about the power of God, but he defines that power. It brings salvation. So usually when we think about power in our world, it's for control. It's to influence. It's to get our way, right? But here, we're looking at a different kind of power. This kind of power brings salvation. Now, let's not miss this, because this exposes the very heart of God. <laughs> and when we talk about power, we talk about human power, but when we talk about God's power, we're talking about a power source that is beyond what we're used to, what we're, we know. <laughs> because we talk, think about power in terms of, 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 of that influence and that ability to do things, but here we're looking at God who created the world with his words. He spoke it into being. Now, we have limited ability and power, and, and I shared with you last week that I've been working on a house where we've been doing construction, and, and I can exert all my energy to try to create something. And by the end of the day, I'm exhausted, and it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. <laughs> you ever had that feeling? Okay. But God spoke, and it came into being. Think about that. That's power. We're told that when the disciples were with Jesus, he spoke and the winds calmed down and the waves settled and they were afraid because they said, that's power. Wow. But God applies that power not to destroy, not to control. He applies that power to save. He applies that power to redeem, to restore, to heal. Let's not miss this. The good news of Jesus is good news because God is exerting his power to do good, to save, to deliver. That's good news. And that's what Paul is saying. I, I'm not ashamed of this message because this is a good message. This is good for, for humanity. This is good for me. This is good for us because it brings salvation to everyone who believes. Not a few. In Paul's religious world of shame and fear, it was only for those who, who were somehow achieved their own righteousness, achieved their own way. And so that's why Paul worked so hard. But now he's saying that God has power to bring salvation to 
everyone, anyone who believes. You don't have to be a religious scholar. (laughs) You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a missionary. Anyone, everyone has access to this power because of Jesus. So there was a man named William Tyndale. How many of you have heard of William Tyndale? Okay, for those of you who haven't heard of William Tyndale, you will be very grateful for him after today because if you have an English Bible, we are indebted to William Tyndale. He was a, he lived in the 1400s, 1500s in England. He was, he was an incredible um, linguist. God gave him an incredible ability to learn languages and he learned all kinds of languages and he translated the Bible from Greek into English. And this ultimately caused him to, to get killed because the king at that time, the church in England, which was the Catholic Church, did not want people to have access to the Bible. They wanted people to be under the control of the Roman Catholic Church. And so William Tyndale, when he was reading the New Testament, came to know Jesus, and he came to know the power of the gospel. And he became convinced that every single person needed access to this message of Jesus. And so he translated the Bible into English, which which, uh, which is why we have partly an English translation today. And he was ultimately killed for this. He was tied to a, a wooden beam and he was choked to death and then set on fire. But this is what he says. He says, let it not make thee despair, yet don't be discouraged that it's forbidden for me in pain of life and goods or that by breaking the king's peace or treason into his highness to read the word of God for your soul's health. So he's saying, even the powers of this world, even if they say you can't read, if you can't understand, he says, this word is healing for your soul. For if God be on our side, what matter maketh to us to be against us, be it bishops, cardinals, or popes? So all the powers of the world are aligned against William Tyndale, but he said, there is a higher power at work. He says, if God's for me, who can be against me? And so he was willing to stake his life on that. He said, as he was getting ready to be killed, he said, God, may the eyes of the king be opened. And then he was burned. But two years later, the king used William Tyndale's translation to give us what ultimately became the King James Bible. Wow. Talk about power. Power of transformation. This power of salvation, ultimately in verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. I just want to end this morning by talking a little bit about righteousness. This is a key word through the whole book of Romans, and it's a big word, and we can, we can really miss this word. What is God's righteousness? First of all, it's God's righteousness. That's important. Paul, before he came to know Jesus, was full of his own righteousness. And that's a big problem for all of us, to be filled with our own righteousness. But this is God's righteousness. Now, there's two aspects to righteousness that I want us to think about. There's a legal side. So this legal side is to be right before God, before God's laws. And so it's this idea of right legal standing, which a lot of us can't really appreciate unless you've been a prisoner. If you've been a prisoner, you understand what it is to be on the wrong side of the legal code, right? you end up in jail, you lose your rights, right? But if 
you are right standing, you can live in freedom. You can enjoy life. Well, maybe not all of us were prisoners, but we've been prisoners in the spiritual sense. And so this righteousness is made right before God in a legal sense. But here's the other sense of righteousness that I want you to hold on to this morning. There's a relational side to righteousness. It's being legally right, but also relationally right. So I had a picture in my mind as I was thinking about this. How many of you have seen a child playing? It, it's, it's a beautiful image because Jesus said, to enter the kingdom of God, you need to be like a child. And so I had this image of a, of a child who grew up in a, in a good home with loving parents. And for that child, they know there's going to be a meal. They know when they go home after playing outside, it's going to be peaceful in the home, that mom and dad love each other. They're never going to leave each other. And so for that child, as they play, there's this carefree joy. And have you seen that? Where you just watch a child just playing, and they're just so full of joy, so full of peace. There's not a worry in the world. Have you ever seen a child play like that? I have. That's righteousness. It's a perfect peace, a perfect joy, perfect trust, knowing everything's going to be cared for, everything is right in the world. I like to call it, it's the good life. <laughs> it's the life we're always grasping for but can't achieve on our own. And Paul says this good life, life this righteousness of God is revealed. So God is making known a way we can live like that, carefree, trust, peace, joy. It's possible, but it's through faith in Jesus. He says it's by faith from first to last. The righteous will live by faith. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here as we close our time here. This path of righteousness is only through faith. There's no other way. And Jesus makes it possible. It's not through our effort. It's not through our work. It's through Jesus, and it's through faith in Him. Now, I want to just describe righteousness because one of my prayers for this morning is that we would leave here with a desire for righteousness. That it wouldn't just be a, a far-off theological term, but this would be something that we long for. And I'm going to read Psalm 1 as we close. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mocker but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night that person that righteous person is like a tree planted by streams of water isn't that a beautiful image which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers not so the wicked they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the assembly of righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction.